Welcome to the Eating Cast. I am Chris. And I'm Vincent. And today we are joined by Gavin Masamiya, who is mind speaker, uh, mindset coach, speaker, author, and founder of uh, Take Back Your Human and co-founder of Flowmasters, all that good stuff. Welcome, Gavin. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm super stoked. Welcome, welcome, Gavin. Too bad yeah. we can't be eating together from LA to the shy. I know. Going on, I know, you know. I know. Yeah. It's okay. We got liquids, though. <laughs> Good drink. We got coffee. Stay got hydrated. Got to stay hydrated in these hard times, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Gavin, um, kind of uh, give us a rundown right now of, uh, you know, who you are, uh, what you're currently doing, and kind of like uh, where your aspirations and where your goals are kind of like um, headed to. Sure. Gavin Masamiya, I'm a human being. What's up, y'all? Can you relate to me? Yeah. Yes, sir. Cool. Cool. Um, I'm born and raised in West Los Angeles, fourth generation Japanese American, and I'm very passionate about mindset and flow state. And so as a mindset coach, um, I help people to really, I create a space for people to really dig deep into really what they truly desire. And I do that through different modalities, one of which is called flow masters, uh, which is my greatest passion in my entire life. And it's the blending of my passions for public speaking, coaching, and also freestyle. And I put it together to create a very unique experience. Can you um, elaborate a little bit about what Flowmaster is? And then maybe I could share my experience too, because I tried that out and it changed my life. <laughs> mm, thank you for that, man. Uh, Flowmasters, yeah, how I always open up is I talk about what it is in. You know, it's not when people think about flow masters, they think about uh, freestyle rapping, um, that it has to rhyme. And it's not about that. It's not about multisyllabic. It's not about comparing yourself to J. Cole, what you hear on the radio. It's not even about comparing yourself to anybody else. It's about coming into the space and with everything happening is virtually this virtual space and you start to express yourself. Hey, this is what I care about. This is what I love. You know what? This is what I'm bumping up against right now. These are my insecurities. This is what I don't want you to know about me. This is what I really want to manifest in my life, but I don't see a way how, and it scares me. You express those things in the space and it never has to rhyme at all. And that's because it's your truth. And I believe that your truth will pluck at the heartstrings of the people that really need to hear it. And underneath it, the biggest thing that shows it is that your story your life story is not about anybody else. It's you. And it will, your story alone can make a difference in somebody else's life. And it's that part of the brain that's responsible for planning ahead um, on what you should say mechanism that's, that asks questions like, what if I fail? What if, what if they find out who I really am, that I'm a, an imposter that doesn't know what I'm doing? And those ones that can be very uh, self-deprecating, um, it's completely shut off. And what you're left with is this, what they call that stream of consciousness, you know. And when Michal Sheik set me high, who really brought flow state um, and the study of it into the world from a scientific standpoint, he would interview a lot of people, whether it was in corporate, different athletes, and he found out that they would all allude to something similar like, it just seems like I'm being in a river and I'm taken by the current. Hence the word flow. So that's where the word flow originated from. Yeah, that's definitely something. That's really beautiful. So like, kind of like, uh, yeah, but like, how did, 
you kind of like um, fall into this, I guess, like passion of yours, right? Like, for instance, like developing a flow state as well as kind of like where you're going with like your coaching and everything like that. Um, moments in time where we made a decision that changed the trajectory of our life. So, you know, for anybody that's actually listening or tuning in, um, just you could even think for yourself, what are some of the ignite moments in your life? Um, but like even going way, way back, uh, I was very shy growing up. I was a shy Asian boy in school with a crooked bowl cut hair. Um, I had blue braces. I started a year late. Um, so every time my birthday rolled around and it actually, I just turned 33, uh, last Wednesday. Um, and I always had a hold up about my, uh, my age because I started a year late. So I just got made fun of every time a year rolled around instead of it being a celebration, it was a way to be like, Oh, you're so old. Why did you flunk and all these different things. So I actually hated my birthday. Um, I had very low self-esteem growing up, but the thing about being shy is that I started to develop a keen sense of observing people, right? And that's where my analytical mind, I really started to flourish is I started to, uh, and through all the years of going into international speech competitions, Toastmasters, you know, um, to uh, even working in behavioral services and training uh, the, the behavioral therapist, like all of that, like helped me to, to become more confident in raising my self-esteem to now people say, oh, you're so good at speaking and stuff like that. Oh man, you're a natural. It's like, no, I wasn't. <laughs> I earned this shit, you know? And so that's why I'm so passionate about things like Flowmasters is providing a space that I wish I had growing up for people to be like, you know, you can express and be who you are in this space. And the thing about flow is that it transfers into other areas of life. So people start like posting videos on YouTube afterwards. They start writing poetry and they started discovering creative expressions that they never even knew. And that's the beautiful thing I love about it, that people have undiscovered passions and interests in the world, but they just haven't tried it or they haven't tried enough. Um, and Flowmasters opens the gamut to creative expression, which I think is such an important piece to living a fulfilling life. No, I can actually resonate with that like wholeheartedly and kind of like 100%. Because I too, right, was that one Asian kid that was in this in, like uh, middle school that had that bowl cut. I didn't have braces. I, I was, that's one thing I was, I guess, blessed with, you know, with like somewhat mildly straight teeth, but yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It looks good, man. It looks good, dude. Thank Dental you. brochure style. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like definitely though, like um, the whole aspect of like being the shy one and kind of like behind, I can resonate with that a lot just because of the fact that like, I, I also was like a really shy person kind of like very timid as a kid growing up and everything like that. So I tend to, I tend to like pull back my voice, you know, I tend to let the populace speak and just kind of like, even if I knew the right answer, even if I knew they were like, you know, their position or their point was wrong, I would just hold it all back to myself, you know, and just kind of observe, just kind of seeing like, you know, how people react with one, one another. Just kind of like yeah, that. totally. And also with like the whole public speaking thing too. Yeah, it does not come naturally for anyone that thinks like, you know, people that are amazing public speakers, like it comes naturally to them. I can probably say that a lot of the good ones that you, you see or that you know, it's not true. It's, it does not come naturally. It comes with practice and practice makes perfect, you know? Like that's definitely something that I also learned and kind of like had to really develop and kind of like just bite the bullet, right? Like when you're given these tasks, especially in like college and everything like that, or even like high school, middle school, right? With like science fairs, um, public speaking opportunities, debates and everything like that. It's like, you just got to bite the bullet and go, you know? 
Mm-hmm. That's that's the truth. Hard, right the hard truth. The hard yeah. truth. You got to do it. It is. It is. It is the hard truth. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to get better at speaking, just speak. No book's go. No book is going to make you better unless you take the book and you use it and you incorporate the power of three. You incorporate, you know, gestures and anchors and all these things that I freaking studied, dude. I, you know, <laughs> like look at this shit, dude. I ain't playing, dude. The world class of public speaking, dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I got you on that. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. That's really cool. Um, I'm back, guys. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Oh shit. So you know, I was gonna say to that, um. Gavin, I listened to your podcast with Sabo, and there was a thing that you said, um, you know, I, I think it was quoted, I mean, I might be misquoting this, but it's like, be, you, be weird, be random, right? Yes, and um, I forgot what the name was, I, it, it, it was originally, they, online it says C.S. Lewis, but it actually, I think it's guy, by the name of this guy named George McDonald, and so I didn't, I didn't create this quote, but it really resonates the first time my cousin shared it with me, who's my roommate over here, and I love him a lot. Be weird, be random, be who you are, because you never know who would love the person you hide. Like how many of us have, like, you know, like how many of you that are listening out um, feel like you're not really uh, sharing and conveying who you really are in this world? Um, And I'm sure that there's a lot of people uh, the little Timmy's, the little Rachel's that are out there in the world that, that want to express themselves that really feel like they haven't quite met their tribe. And I've always, I've felt that way for the longest time. And it's only until I would say the past five years when I really started getting more um, expressive and Hey, this is who I am. I'm freaking obsessive compulsive. I need to know where everything is. I'm tidy as fuck. Like I love flow. I love freestyle. I used to be a closet rapper that no one used to know. Cause I'm a shy kid. I was a shy kid growing up and I let that stop me. And now I would like experiment going on Venice beach and just rapping at this Asian dude. Like, who is this guy? <laughs> who is yeah. this? And you know, putting myself in positions for people to say publicly that I suck. And it's, uh, it's actually, you know, it builds muscle. It just, and it's scary Um, and really scariness and fear and all these things are just physiological responses that we there, you know, in in the name of mindset that we create an interpretation based on this physiological response and we deem it as true when really we created this shit. Like humans, we created this language thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and so different languages have different terms and that starts to shape reality, you know, like, I don't know, both, are both of you Chinese? Yeah. Yeah. You probably have different terms and sayings that like, it doesn't directly translate into English. Mm-hmm. And so therefore that phrase in and of itself or that word creates a reality in Chinese that in English, we would have to explain it. So it's not as crystallized in American society, just like my term itadakimasu in Japanese. Thank you for everything that it took to make this happen is not the same as gratitude. It's talking about all the different moving pieces that had to take place in order for this moment to happen right now. Gratitude is is uh, only a, a piece of it, of that. So that alone shapes a reality in Japanese that's just not there unless you explain it in English. Mm. Um, and so language shapes your, our realities. And that's what I love about Flowmasters. It allows people to, to voice, this is where I'm in, where I am. This is what's going on. This is what I'm afraid about. And also, this is what I desire. Right. This is what I love. And when you speak it auditorily, like, I'm reading Think and Grow Rich right now and auto-suggestion and definiteness of purpose is so big in auditorily speaking that, right? 
um, speaking it aloud. This is my, I don't know if you all can see, but this is my like purpose statement that I have here that I read in the mornings. Um, and you speak, speak it aloud. It, there, there is a resonance that comes with can, it. Can you read you that? Emotionalize it. Can you read that? Oh, uh, well, right here, it says like, you know, I, Gavin Masamiya, am a man of audacity and excellence who is joyfully earning a grand total of at least $30,000 from all business endeavors by August 18th, 2020. In return for this generous compensation, I'm consistently going above and beyond for the exclusive humans that I work with and want to work with. This service to these exclusive humans requires that I'm creating and connecting to my daily CPR throughout the day. I'm continuing to facilitate virtual experiences at least two times a week. I'm consistently prioritizing my physical vitality at least four times a week. That's a, that's a work in progress. That's one of my challenges. I'm conscientiously tracking my finances at least once a week. I'm cultivating fulfilling relationships on a daily basis by responding to higher priority messages within 24 hours to embody reliability. I'm courageously and proactively expressing myself on a regular basis through content documentation and creation. And I'm having a fuck ton of fun in the process. <sighs> and by being the kind of person who fulfills on the above, I get to live a very rich and meaningful life. And I experience incredible clarity, confidence, and achievement around my finances, business, and relationships. And so it is. Damn. That That's really one. deep. That's really deep. Mm. I, I, see, I see so much fire in that. Like that is so, it, it's so pure, deep, and just like powerful. And I feel like any, everyone could benefit from just writing something like that for themselves. And just every day, just like a little reminder, like who you are, what your purpose is, what do you plan mm. to do? How do you progress? And just, um, and owing it to yourself, you know, the achievements that you come, come across. And um, I, I struggle with that. Like the small victories, sometimes I don't give it to myself. Right. Um, it's just hard. See, like that's also kind of in my eyes too, is like, um, like just kind of goal planning, right? And reassessing your goals, right? Yes. Reevaluating your many achievements, right? Because at the end of the day, right, the big picture is there. And when you're setting aside time, right, to achieve these smaller victories, right, and you're slowly climbing that ladder or slowly climbing that mountain to achieve that, you know, that sunrise over the hill or sunrise over the mountain, right, or the top of the house from the ladder, right? It's like these things kind of add up, right? It might not seem significant right now, but like just at the end of the day, you know, when you reach it, you know, your big picture, that's how you know, like, wow, these little goals really helped me achieve this. Yes. That's like beautiful. Yeah. And you know, the thing about it is that it's, it's not necessarily uh, the sexiest thing to be like, you know, one step at a time, or it's just like, shut the fuck up. I've heard that already. Right. It's like, very cliche. It's, yeah. It's very cliche. And, and the thing it's so easy because it's hurt so much that somebody just discounts it or they have that, you know, that sense of that. I all right. I already know that shit. You don't got to tell, you don't got to tell me that. And then it's almost like a, it's a, dis, it's a dismissive, it's a dismissive uh, cop out in a way. Um, and so, yeah, how to take actually things and frame it in a way where cliches are, cause there's a lot of value in different cliches, right? Yeah. Um, like whether it's the golden rule, treat people the way you want to be treated, which I, in a way I, I, I some way refute that after reading five love languages that it's more about treating people the way they want to be treated you know um that requires two things which is self-awareness and other awareness um mm -hmm. so that's two tiers as opposed to just knowing yourself 
um, I, I think that it is, um, what I'm just getting, man, I I'm 33, dude. What the, just letting you know, what the fuck do I know y'all who's, who's tuning in? Um, and one thing that I'm just getting is that life is a journey, you know, and I, uh, whenever I, I, I meet a goal or I don't, when I meet a goal, I feel really good. Um, there's, it, it's not the end all be all, you know, there's something next. There's something about my desire to want to continue to grow and develop myself. And so this dance that I'm learning, I have not mastered this at all. I'm learning is, is how to aspire for more for, for to grow while being grateful for the moment. And it's constantly this dance of I'm grateful for where I'm at. This is what I'm grateful for. Itarakimasu. You know, I'm grateful that my metabolism's great. I'm grateful that all my limbs work, that I can see, that I can taste this tea. I'm grateful that I live with my amazing cousin. And this is what I'm up to. I'm open. I'm, I'm up to turning flow masters into having chapters all around the world, even developing countries, transforming the way that Asian American men can really communicate and expanding their self-awareness, their emotional intelligence. Um, and breaking through uh, in corporate America to show that you know we're all we're all humans, and if we can come to that element, um, I think there'll be a lot more happier employees that happen, and therefore a lot more um, um, it'll help to fuel the economy inside of Flowmasters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, being grateful for it. this is this is what I'm grateful for now, and this is what I'm creating, y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a constant journey. You mentioned um, breaking a barrier for Asian American men specifically. And what, can, what do you think that is? What is that barrier? What is it that us Asian American men are going through? Well, I, I think that there's, there's a, there's a culture, there's definitely a, a collectivistic cultural component to it. Right. So me being Japanese American, I have to say also, I'm more further removed into American society as a fourth generation Japanese American, uh, I believe that Japanese Americans are the most integrated in American society versus any other Asian American race uh, after World War II. So I didn't know my language growing up and I know very little now. And I went over there two years. I lived there for two years um, to travel, just to teach English, but I really was trying to just travel and explore new things. Um, And I just, I found out, I really just experienced first time the, the huge difference between Western culture and uh, Japanese culture, for instance. And then there's this appearance to harmonize. Um, when we were doing training to teach, uh, they said, just letting you know, for those of you who are in America and two thirds of the people are American t- people from America, they're like, it's the opposite. You think that it's the way you perceive situations, that it's about being individualistic, that it's about being unique and sharing, sharing your uniqueness to the world. Where in Japan, the more emphasis is on how you're perceived. It's more for the collective than the individual. Um, so that's something that I had to, um, had to really learn. And I developed humility around that what I thought was right you know, I think I told Vincent, I was there trying to thought that I could create a little revolution inside of my the community wherever I lived. And I realized it was a lot harder than I thought, because number one, I didn't know the language. Number two, I didn't fully understand the culture. And so there was ignorance, there was ignorance and to think that a revolution can be a created without fully understanding the mechanisms underneath it. So I took more of the stance of wanting to understand the culture, wanting to understand the people. Um, and that's something that I get to remind myself of when I'm trying to make change, like even with Black Lives Matter and everything's happening right now, um, rather than saying like, I'm here to create a change, I'm coming from a place right now of square one of like, I want to understand, I want to use the Flowmaster space as a way to, to share the stories of the marginalized voices of the world, you know, 
and to hold that through the emotive power of music. And I learned incredible amounts through it. I, you know, my friend was sharing about the 13th Amendment and he was just sharing about like the, the systemic oppression and how much of a behemoth it is um, almost to a place of learned helplessness. Because what can we do when this is how the country was built upon? These, you know, by by the white man who enacted these policies to to create this structure in the world, it it would completely have to transform the way the country was built, and how like daunting that can be to like how do, how do we change this post slavery things we thought that we're actually free but slavery is still happening you know according to him he's like when if you're ex convict which is mostly black they don't have um. They're stripped of the right to vote. They're stripped of a constitutional right. You know, so it, it's just through inside of like just learning to understand. It's just my mind is being so blown around the ignorance that I've had and my own my uh, privileged minority perspective. And that, yeah, that based on your skin in America, if you have black skin, you are societally at a disadvantage. You are. And is that fair? Fuck no, it's not fair. Do I know how to fix it? I have no idea how to fix it. Where I'm coming from is I want to hold space to learn to understand a little more. Yeah, I respect that a lot. And the space that you hold too is, is very sacred. And, and um, from the sessions that I've joined, uh, I've partaked in, participated in, it's, it's so interesting how everyone can just be so vulnerable and just open up. And it's just, it's like, it's pure you know mm. and everyone they're so easy to be not easy um but they're like they are comfortable being uncomfortable and i think that's the people that you draw which is great because then it opens them up and uh, um it just goes out with that goes without saying like your stories and your feelings shouldn't die with you so it's so important to share them and you know who knows who's listening to this who's listening to your sessions and 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 your um your live streams, like whoever's listening, they're learning something, you know? And I remember when I shared my experience about um, b- being suicidal and everything, like being called having divine masculinity. I was like, damn, that's powerful. Right? Huh? Yeah. Right. He, so he was sharing that for those of you who are listening, Vincent was sh- sharing that in a Facebook live on like my flow cast that I'm starting out. And then one of a lady commented saying that that was very divine masculine of you, Vincent. Um, have you, and you, you never got told that before? No, and never. Isn't that interesting? Like sharing a story about wanting, like seriously, sharing a story about there's a time in my life when I wanted to kill myself, right? And then telling a story about that. And she took that, she, it went into her ears, she interpreted this, and then what came out of her mouth, she wanted to acknowledge it as divine masculinity. <laughs> and you're, yeah. you know, and I think that's, it's, it's such a powerful it's a, such a powerful thing. And that, that right there, yeah, it encouraged me to continue to share my stories because for a long time, you know, the things that I post or the things that I talk about, people would, be, would, people would just criticize um, and say, why are you doing this? Or um, like, are you just trying to get attention? And, or, or when I'm trying to like put out fun, goofy, positive energy, people would just be like, oh, you're, you're acting so stupid. You're acting so gay. Like, what are you doing? And it's just like, <laughs> what? And, and for the longest time that gave me like an identity crisis. Cause I kind of just like shelled in and I was like, oh, well, I guess I shouldn't be doing these things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's dark. It gets dark really fast, especially that like, does that does know. get really dark. Yeah, but I also feel like that kind of um, coincides with a lot of like just, um, at least like you know, um, in our in my in my uh, household at least, I'm not sure if it's the same for uh, you guys as well. But like just kind of like the whole thought of like, you know, when you're raised as a young kid, you're like you're a man, right? And you gotta be a man. You gotta like you know hold you know your pride hot up and high, right? And it, everything like that and it's like when you hold yourself that high and like you know when you're told that you can't have emotions you can't have feelings right and if you cry you're considered like weak or you're like a girl right in a man's body it's really demeaning and then it just kind of like it, it forces you to build this hard shell where you can't you're a an expressionless individual now right it's like you can't express yourself you can't show emotion you can't tell the world what you really feel and I feel like that's really negative and in a way that, in, at least in my household, a downfall, right? Because, like, it, if you can't express your emotions, you're not really showing your true face. Like what you were talking about earlier, Gavin, it's like you have, like, you know, this inner person that, you know, you're, that's really you, but yet you have all these fronts for different people in your life, right? Whether it's your professional world, right, where you have a face where you have to act professional and everything like that. And then your immediate family, right? They see this more somewhat sensitive, but still a stern individual just because of how you're raised. And then you have this other face where your friends see, which is kind of like how you, in a sense, want to, how you want to be perceived by the world, right? Whether that's goofy, funny, sad, um, emotional, and all that stuff. And it's just really crazy why society kind of like forces us to create these barriers, create these walls that have to separate our individuality instead of accepting our individual self as who we really are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely, um, there's a lot of different identity structures that, that come into play that easily can, you know, that a lot of us, uh, even myself included, that I'm still, I still continue to do work to kind of like unlearn certain ways, or just to create more awareness around um, when I'm starting to come from a place of scarcity, right? Mm -hmm. I'm scared. Uh, um, or just being that like lace, being that shy Asian boy that still comes out, you know, where if I get threatened, I get quiet and withdrawn. And I realize that that's one of the things that I do when I feel really intimidated, is that I'll get quiet and withdrawn. Um, or if there's something that I get overwhelmed, I just, I check out and I act nonchalant about things. Like it doesn't bug me, but then it does, but it's oh, just yeah. a front that I put and it's just like, yeah, whatever, you know, it's like the, no, it's not going to face me, but it did. It totally did. Totally um, stabbed you. <laughs> it is something interesting. And, yeah. you know, it's not to say too, I'm not, I'm not here to, to also say too, just like, yo, uh, express your emotions like anywhere and everywhere and just be a hundred percent vulnerable. It's just like, no, I, I mean, that's not bit, at 33 right now. Like, that's not how I see it. Yeah. I think that there's, there's definitely uh, a lot of power in understanding pragmatics. That's emotion. That's to me, there's a lot of emotional intelligence, intelligence that's to do it where you just can't, you know, for certain people, you don't just be like, hey, you're fucking up right there. The fuck you think you're doing if you and if you didn't, you know, if, if I didn't take the time to really understand their journey and maybe they were a, a war veteran, they have post-traumatic stress and I don't know anything about that. And I'm just a lover in it. It's like, is that is that really? Oh, is, is OK, that's being honest. That's being real. 
But is that being effective? Is I think that there's life is so much more of a dance than that. And in addition, I think it's really important to have safe containers to let the re- release valve go. Where, you know, for instance, meditation isn't the only way that you, you have to use to calm down, to relax. You can actually use anger, use, create an anger container and express that in a safe way so you don't have to take it out on your girlfriend or other mm-hmm. people like that. Because what is, uh, there's, there's, so I, I like to dance with both. I like finding different, more of like, okay, this meditative calming space, but then how do I get, how do I get into this? How do I release it like a caveman and freaking yell in the car at the top of my fucking lungs, you know? So oh, I think both are both are just both are equally valuable. Yeah, 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 <laughs> definitely. I see that. And when you just like kind of you painted a very uh very good picture in my head just now with like the whole um releasing of the anger is like I just imagine immediately like you're just in a car stuck at rush stuck in rush hour traffic, and you're just screaming at the top of your lungs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and you know you know what I want to I want to say too like I do use uh. Uh, profanity for people uh, that are out there i realized that it can turn also some uh some people off mm-hmm. and you know that's just that's it is it's something that even my coach said like you might want to be a little more like pragmatic about that you know so this is my this is my journey too like I'll, i still say fucking stuff like that um i could be a little more tactful because i'm realized that it can turn certain people off yeah. right but in that in that same breath you know um i'm I'm a student. I'm still learning. And number two, dude, I grew up and I've just labeled myself like I've just been a people pleaser my whole life too, you know. So in a way, like this is, it's I I would try different things. Like I had a mohawk for two and a half years, you know. I tried different things just to learn to be more resilient in people formulating a judgment about me and me having to reconcile with that, you know. And so um, that's been another part of my journey is learning to be okay with people not supporting what I'm up to. Um, and I want to add on to that. So most times when it comes to talking about journey, there's always like a dark, dark past or somewhere where you, you needed to get pulled out of. What was that for you, Gavin? Um, one of the times was in 2009 when I was in my th- third year of college at UC Irvine. Um, I don't know. I think I told you this, Vincent, but yeah, it was just one of those dark times uh, when I was doing a lot of different drugs. Um, you know, I was snorting Percocets, Vicodins, exploring Coke. Yay. It wasn't really my drug, but it, you know, I explored, I just explored all these different things, oxys and stuff. And it was, then I landed upon this thing called Xanax, which is an anti-anxiety medication for people that have, you know, high anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder, but I just use it recreationally. Um, and I loved how it made me feel, man. It like, it just made me feel calm. It kind of numbed me in a way too, where I didn't have to feel things, which was, I thought it was serving me back then, you know? Um, but I got really addicted to it for a period of like three to four months where I would do it every day from crushing it, you know, and I would just snort that shit throughout the day. And I would, and underneath it, what I was doing is I was just, I was running away from being in a relationship that, I just didn't have any business being in, you know, I, um, and I treat, I was treating her, I wasn't treating her well, because I knew that we just weren't compatible. And I tried to change her from the beginning. You know, I think it was like the coach was trying to find somebody that, oh, yeah, I could fix and I can sculpt and mold and I was being very manipulative. Um, so that was a really dark time. And I found myself at a Dodger game with my friend after taking the last line and um, that's when I 
experienced really withdrawals for the first time. And it's like the craziest withdrawals. It's just like my my body like was like shaking. I couldn't stay in place. I couldn't think, you know, it's just at the Dodger game the whole time we were right between first home, home base and first, like right in the front had the best seats. So good seats with my buddy Robert and Jose. And I just, uh, I was on the phone the whole time trying to get a hook, you know, just trying to find somebody that can get me some sandy bars. And I was reaching out to like exes, girlfriends, and like all these things that I didn't even know, just trying to get a thing. And it was that moment, you know, those moments where it's really dark, where like an inner voice came to me, man. And he, and the voice was just saying like, you know, what the fuck are you doing? You're, you're like, you're literally like killing your body. You haven't worked out in three months, you know? Um, you're treating this sweet girl like shit. Um, and you're, you don't remember anything anymore, you know? Uh, this got to stop. And so I remember a couple of days later, it was the year before our one-year anniversary. I made a promise that day, actually, that I'm going to do no more Xanax. I didn't know how I was going to do that, but I said, I'm not going to do it no more. And I have to break up with her. So I drove to her place, you know, um, I ended up ending it. It was super messy. I felt super guilty afterwards. But then my dad recommended a book during that time called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And it was during spring break. And I didn't, he, he recommended that book to me before, but given the chain of events, you know how like, you're in a space sometimes where you're more receptive than other times. I just was in a space with withdrawals and everything. I'm like, let me, I got to try something different or else I'm going to go back into this rabbit hole. So I started reading the book and uh, the, you know, the book, all the whole notion around is that now is what we have, you know? And it was, um, it was a completely new concept to me in 2009. And, you know, if you think too much in the future and you ruminate over that, you have anxiety. If you ruminate so much over the past, there's, there can be guilt. And present moment from that is when both are, are not present there. Um, and that's when I first started meditating. And so that book, going from Xanax to that Dodger game to breaking up with my ex to reading The Power of Now got me to meditating. And meditating, though it was an on and off journey, it changed my it changed my life. That that literally kept me off Xanax. And uh, that was the last time that I ever took it. And I vouched to never do it again, you know. But that was a very dark moment in my life that actually got me on a spiritual and personal development journey. And you know what's so, super crazy about that actually too was that that was the first book that I ever read recreationally in third year of college. And that was very empowering. I actually, I remember that I stapled like five pieces of lined paper together and I was writing notes more than I did in any other psychology class or any other class I ever did. And I wanted to, it was like chicken scratch, you know? Um, and I was so empowered, like, wow, I can learn anything that I want. You know, I don't have to have somebody that's going to tell me to read a book. I can choose. And that started my journey of actually self-development. And that's the path that I've been on ever since. So yeah. That was one of my ignite moments. Thank you so much for sharing that, Gavin. Um, you know, I, I, 
I've only known you. Bro, bro, it was also that that was also the time when I had suicidal thoughts. It was the only time in my life that I had suicidal mm. thoughts. Yeah. And I remember, bro, just to piggyback from you, dude, like I remember in bed, man. And that's when I mixed Xanax with Adderall, alcohol, and weed together. Oh my God. And I was looking up. I was looking up, man. And like, I just remember just so these all these thoughts just like you're a piece of shit you know like who the fuck do you think you are like you're just wasting you're wasting your your life away you're just um you're better off dead you know like and so it was that was the darkest time where you know i had i had suicidal thoughts for the first time ever mm-hmm. um well i just want to say now dude like i've only known you for like a month ish and hearing these stories dude you're you're strong you're resilient you got a beautiful soul and you got greatness coming for you bro like the energy you got the energy you're putting out the energy you're recycling for other people to use man gavin you're i'm glad you didn't go away Hmm. we're glad we're glad you're here bro thank you man thank you man i'm glad you came through and you (laughs) shared your your heart man dude i I didn't think i was gonna cry that shit was tough but whatever i don't think people plan that, power tears power yes tears. power tears t-e-a-r-s or power tears t-i-e-r-s yes. Ooh, that's the real debate now <laughs> power tears are power tears because they remember i told you that they weren't victimized tears they weren't like that woe is me i'm because tears and sadness can actually be very self-serving right it could be a way to achieve sympathy and it could be very manipulative too in a way where you want, oh, it's okay, don't worry. And so tears can turn into a very manipulative where that wouldn't be power tears. You know, that's just like you're trying to, you're finding using sadness as a way to get attention, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But you weren't. I didn't hear, I didn't feel that, a sliver of that in you. That's why I said power tears are power tears in your context. So mm-hmm. not all power tears are power tears, you know? That's true. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also want to owe it to Gary Vee because I listened to one of his not speeches, but I guess like a session or something. But he was saying like, when you're doing something, just stop fucking complaining and just do it. Because, mm. um, yeah, I think for me, I I was I was always like feeling that way, and so, um, getting this new mentality definitely changed that. So for the best, yeah. Mm. You turn into a, a 98 degrees invisible man right here too. I know, man. I know. <laughs> God is speaking. <laughs> hiding your tears away right now yeah Yeah, that's actually really yeah that's really man that was a lot that was was a lot like it definitely made me kind of like start thinking about like you know at least like my past and kind of like the directions the directions that I took and everything like that yeah like I I did participate, you know, recreationally, right. in like kind of like certain drugs and everything like that, but I never let that kind of like control me. Right. And then I've had people that are close to me that kind of like, you know, we kind of started the, you know, whole party scene together and everything like that. And it just kind of like overwhelmed them in a sense. Right. And it took them to extreme levels, if you will. And just kind of like seeing that, right, it really kind of hurt because like, it's like, why are you escaping reality? And like, I was like at a loss because I didn't know what I could do or, what I, or how to help them, you know, because like it's at the end of the day, it's their choice. It's their journey. Right. 
and you can't really tell them no because if you tell them no that's just gonna instigate them to actually go and do it you know and it's like it's really it's really hard because like just seeing them kind of go through the paces and kind of like just escaping reality even if it's just for a few hours it's like that's rough you know seeing someone's like i don't know like soul if you will like kind of just just ringing that bell right kind of like going back to like um like uh military days like i was never in the military but like just kind of like seeing like the the steel training right just kind of ringing that bell right i i quit right that's what i'm that's what i kind of like saw yeah and it's really like dark and it's really sad and then like you know there was one day we actually went to a show and then you know he went to the hospital afterwards and yeah it's just really that that was a moment where it's like it really hit mm-hmm. right like it was like he could have died you know that could have been yeah. the last day or the last time i saw him you know mm. and yeah that just really like just brought on that like you you know you both sharing your stories about that stuff just kind of like brought that on and kind of like really emotionally affected me in a way where it's like it just immediately like you know this individual came up it's like dude i just goddamn <laughs> you know yeah unfortunately he's still here yeah fortunately he's right? still here and he's he's i i don't know if like you know learning his lessons like the right term for it but like he's he saw it and now he's a bit better you know he's driving away from it but you know, temptation is still a very powerful thing, you know. Totally. And depending on what, who's, who's surrounding yeah. the individual, right? Like back then for me, thank you for sharing that too, mm-hmm. um, uh, Chris yeah, and Vincent. You know, back then for me, uh, I was a part of a fraternity and that's what we did, you know. Um, and a part of me used to have a, actually quite a bit of guilt because it was around that time that I found out about Xanax back home, back in L.A., one time on a weekend when somebody brought it and I'm like, what is this? What is that? And I was ingesting it at first, you know, just taking it like a pill. I'm like, what? And I was so lucid. I was drinking like 10 beers and I was still lucid. I'm like, what is this miracle drug? Like a pound, like, dang. Um, and it actually did, did completely the opposite over time where you just don't remember, but you're doing things. You're like yelling at people. And I don't remember any of this stuff. So I didn't black out and pass out, you know? Um, but I introduced that drug to a lot of people in the fraternity and, you know, thank God that I don't know anybody who ended up losing their life over it, you know, but I definitely had a lot of close encounters. I got, uh, I got pulled over, uh, multiple times when I was drinking and driving clearly. And, um, fortunately because of my skin and it's just like the stereotype of the Asian of we're not going to be trouble, you know, like I got away, Mm -hmm. um, multiple times. Um, and I could have easily died because I don't really, I just wasn't in a good headspace, you know? Yeah. So, but those times, man, I just think that like now I couldn't see it back then, but I look back at those things and like all of that part of the journey led me to the power of now, you know? And uh, so I look back and I'm like, man, and that's actually a story, dude. Like I can, I can relate to, to people now that are, that are, or were addicted to drugs, I mean, I, I never thought that I would be, you know, but then that drug, I was like, I got to stay away from that because that had like physical symptoms, you know, mm-hmm. that was really hard. 
um, I never felt so out of control. And the way the stories that people would tell about like what I did and how I like would yell at people, it just seems so apathetic, you know, like, I, uh, like I did not care about people's feelings. And I can't remember that. And I'm like, God dang, you know, so I look back and I'm like, I'm never going to get myself allow myself to get there again. So there's a pain that becomes a motivating force to never want to do that again. Mm -hmm. And also a sense of empathy for the people that are going through like their own drug things. And these aren't people that I, that I, um, I don't serve people that actually have substance abuse in this. I'm not credible or that's just not who I, who I serve. And I can, you know, I can empathize. It's, it really neurochemically, like it does something, man. And it's such an easy way to, to escape reality because it's changing your brain, brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's easy to go to when we don't have the resources or the people around us that are really checking and be like, how you doing, man? All of my friendships back then were super shallow. You know, it was just about, let's just drink. Let's just have a good time. We didn't talk about like, dude, how you, how, how you, how you doing, man? We about to graduate in a year. Like how, like how you really feeling, bro? We didn't have those. It's just like, yo, what's the other shot? And so I felt very lonely. I was surrounded by people all the time, but I was really lonely. Yeah, that and, and you know, those kinds of things, people don't normally think they would be addicted to. But once they get that feeling, that escape of, of reality, they're just like, holy shit, maybe I could use this to numb um, whatever things I'm trying to hide and push down and don't, don't have to worry about it. Um, and then eventually, you know, that will build up and blow up. And as most of our stories that we shared today, like, right, it blew up and, and we kind of just learn from it and be like, fuck, we don't ever want to do that again. Mm-hmm. So, but we grow from it. And I think it's great that we're acknowledging the past the way we are, because I think I know a lot of people that are still running away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all on our own timeline, you know, and yeah, so true. that's, that's a piece uh, too. It's just sometimes the, for me, that was like my bottom you know, I didn't attempt suicide or anything, you know, so like for some that could be their bottom. But for me, that was my bottom. That Dodger game was the bottom for me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's how it ends up is that people get to the bottom and they're like, no more. And some people aren't fortunate enough to where the bottom took them out. Yeah. Okay, let's lighten this up. We're gonna wrap up. Gavin, um, what last bit of advice would you like to leave our listeners, our viewers, anything? Hmm. The space is yours. Ah. <sighs> I, you know, one of the, one of the things is like looking, you know, I, I would really have a lot of um, resentment and disdain for that person in the mirror. You know, I never, a uh, long time, I just did not think much of him. And so for everyone that's listening out there, you know, I just like for um, everyone to just to, you know, sp- spend some time to uh actually you know what it's it's only the context you know we can be really hard on that person in the mirror um and with that with that being said 
there's also something that's really unique about that person over there because that person is really unlike anybody. It's unlike your mom. It's unlike the people that you revere closest to you that are outside of yourself. Like you're, if you're married or your children, this person is very different because the person in the mirror is like, is the only individual, the only individual in the whole world who has been with you through everything, you know, through everything, uh, you know, uh, all the times doing drugs, all the times you were gone in a relationship. And if you got cheated on, you know, or the, the great times, the first time you ever had made love, um, deaths in the family, you know, the death of my dear friend, Hank, like that man in the mirror has just been there through everything. So, I mean, that's really sacred. And so I just think that through, through this time, it's just from that context when I can remember that. And if you can remember that, like for me, it just, it helps me to be more um, compassionate and loving to that person. Um, and so just, just know that that, you know, that person there has been with you through everything 24, seven, 365, and, and will continue to until the moment that you're physically gone. Um, so, you know, that person is worthy of, acknowledging a little more so a practical thing is i would just say for you know it's at some point after watching this is to actually just take time to look in the mirror um and in the beginning you might notice yourself like looking at wrinkles on your forehead or starting to nitpick because we have a negativity bias as humans it served us very greatly as a survival mechanism um, so just know that that's a part. So if you notice any things where you're like judging yourself, that's, that's okay. Allow it to be. When you dig a little deeper, just kind of like look at that person and just get present, you know, to that person. And sometimes I just look at a person. I'm like, dude, thank you for being with me. You know, thank you for being with you through, through, through all the shit that I've done. You know, I appreciate you. And you're, you're a pretty cool guy. And then I'll carry on my day. Mm. Mm. That is very deep. Mm. That is very deep. And I really like that a lot because in a sense, you are your own main character. Like kind of relating it to games right now. <laughs> but yeah. Mm. You are your own main character, you know? Mm. Yes. Yes, you are. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you, Gavin. Yeah. So thank you. That, thank you. Thank you. So with that said, uh, Vince, you want to close this out? Uh, sure. Uh, before that, actually, Gavin, do you have any, um, where can people find you? Yeah. So you can find me on, on Instagram at Gavin Masamiya. Uh, you can look me on website, GavinMasamiya.com. And, I, you know, same name on Facebook. And then you can also find, uh, learn more about Flowmasters. If you just write uh, Flowmasters, there's a Flowmasters group on Facebook that you can, that you can join to see more about what it's about mm, and i can vouch for that yeah awesome all right and then um for our listeners and viewers you can find us on all platforms the eating cast youtube instagram facebook spotify apple Podcasts, all the good stuff just hit us up um if you have any guest recommendations send them over if you have questions for the guests so i typically post them on instagram um when you see the guests are lined up feel free to ask them the questions and then when we uh, have our podcast sessions we'll ask our guests um but yeah Thank you again. Awesome. And with that said, for our viewers and our listeners, we just want to say thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next one. Take care and bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.